All right, everybody, this is the Chase Talks Hip Hop Podcast, and today I'm, I am talking to producer, artist, Tito Beats, and uh, I've I've worked with him, and I've uh, had the chance to, to get some beats from him. He's a good dude, and uh, all around, just, just a gentleman, and I'm happy to have him on my show. So, Tito, I just want to jump into it and uh, just ask you, how did you start making beats, and what got you into it? Um, Man, I always loved music, so... One day I was in my car and I was riding around and I heard a, a school advertising talking about you want to make beats like P Diddy and all that. So I was like, man, let me let me check out the school. So I checked out the school and and actually the school was a scam. I didn't even learn anything from them. So I ended up dropping out from the school and just kind of teaching myself on YouTube and just watching videos until I kind of figured it out. Um, I'm originally. New York, but I kind of grew up in uh, Tampa, Florida, so that's where I've been, and that's where I've just been making beats out of my little home studio. And so during the coronavirus, you're working in the hospital, right? Yeah, I, I work at a cancer hospital. Um, right now, they have me actually working from home, but um, normally, yeah, I, I do work at the hospital. Wow. So how has that affected your process of making beats, you know, because I think with producers, I saw this funny meme, and it said, uh, you know, coronavirus, stay inside, uh, don't talk to anyone, and then it said music producers, we've been training for this our whole lives. How Has it, how, has it affected your life more so, or, or what do you think? Like, has it affected your uh, production or anything like that? Actually, it's kind of true in a way. Um it actually just gave me more time, you know, working from home, and now it takes, you know, I'm not driving, so I'm actually home more, so I'm creating more than I normally would because I'm home versus when I have to work and, and kind of create around that. But um, it's true, man. I, I'm locked in my room, and all I do is pretty much make beats. And plus, too, like being in Florida, I want to ask you, you know, like, is there, was it, was there a weird transition coming from New York to Florida? Because I know the sounds can vary a little bit. Do you think that it's affected how you make beats, or do you think it's influenced you? Yes, I think it has. I, I think I got that East Coast sort of vibe from up north, but then I still have that down south Miami base also from that from our area. So. It kind of, I kind of blend it all together, and that that is kind of my style. It's kind of like everything on the East Coast, all the way from North to South, pretty much. I do dabble in some West Coast type beats, but for the most part, it's it's pretty much East Coast type beats and trap. Well, so on both ends, you know, uh, if you're talking East Coast style music and trap style, do you think that you know coming into 2020 that you're going to see more of a merger of those worlds? Because people have, I, I feel like when when things start to go in one direction, sometimes they're, they're a hybrid starts to form. I, I foresee that boom bap and trap is going to mix a little bit, and that you're going to see lyricism actually make it come back a bit. Oh, I agree for sure, for sure. Atlanta, Atlanta actually has a lot of dope artists that are really lyrical that you wouldn't think that they were there, but they are there, man. Well, they definitely got some right? What was that? Oh, they. I didn't mean to interrupt uh, your thought, but they they have JID. They have quite a bit of a talent coming out of Atlanta right now. Oh yeah, most definitely, most definitely. They definitely are lyrical now out there. 
Let's see, but before I interrupted your thought, what were you going to say? Um, no, no, I was just talking about how Atlanta had had a had a definitely new movement of lyrical rappers, especially being in that area where they where they're predominantly trap. True, and then you have the the base of Outkast, where uh, Outkast is based out of Atlanta, so they have that boost as well. You know, I think through Atlanta that show that that Donald Glover did, um, Atlanta, oh, he, like that that's yeah. also helped quite a bit. You know. Oh yeah, I like that. It's show. wild. That, that oh, show is yeah. really funny. I, I th- you know, you know what that show? I was actually watching the episode. Have you seen the episode with the uh, Teddy Perkins, the Michael Jackson kind of character? <laughs> nah, nah, I didn't okay. catch that one. I think I, I don't. I can't remember if it's season one or season two. But when you have time, check that out because it's kind of it's it's weird because it it it's not as funny as you would think. It's kind of funny in the show. But mainly, it's just creepy. It's a creepy episode of Atlanta. If anyone's sleeping on that, you gotta, you gotta see that. But that's a, it's a creepy episode. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that one out. Yeah, dude. But um, overall, I wanted to talk to you just about your uh, your style of production, how you make it, your software. So I just want to get into the nitty gritty. What kind of software are you using? Um, do you have specific uh, methods? I I use Logic Pro X. Um, that's pretty much my go-to weapon. Um, I also I love listening to like loops and samples, and that's pretty much where I start from. I I find a loop or a sample that inspires me, and then I kind of build around it until I make make the whole thing. There you go. And coming up, what producers have inspired you? Oh my God. DJ Premier, Pharrell, Swiss Beats, um, A-Rap Music, Hit Boy, uh, Boy Wonder, so many, all of them, really, all of them kind of inspired me. I, I listen to all their work, and they're all pretty inspiring producers. And all of them, uh-huh. and all of them have a different aspect, you know, as far as a. Uh, as far as their styles, they all do things a little bit different. Right. That's what Especially I love about Kendall. him most. Oh yeah, he he's like on he's on another planet. Yeah. No, I'm happy that Timbaland is uh, still producing music. He recently produced a track for Joyner Lucas, which wasn't bad. You know, like Timbaland still has that hit maker ability that people sleep on. Right. I agree. And that joint was fire too. True. Yeah. Shout out to Joyner Lucas. What, what did you uh, did you get the chance to check out his project? Yes, it was awesome yeah. from start to finish. That Will Smith song was fire too. I liked it too. I like I like Joyner's project, and um, it was crazy too because it felt like it just felt like we were waiting on it for so long because the songs have been coming out for a couple of years now. So when it came out, I was just wondering, like, damn, like, my man, it's about time. But um, the music still, it didn't hurt that he put the songs out over such a long period of time. I know a lot of people didn't like it as much. But the more I thought about it, it did kind of make sense why he did that. Because I feel like people don't really sit with music like that. And the album right. is called ADHD. So I thought, I don't know if we could possibly get together in that sense. Yeah, maybe it was his, his process on, on releasing the whole project. But I, I thought it was a pretty good project when it came out, and I was happy with it, even though we did hear most of the, you know, 
some of the songs prior to, but he did his thing on it. He did. And it's really weird, too, because I never understood. Because I, I saw a lot of reviews where they were kind of mixed, and I, I never follow reviews. I don't really care. But one thing that kind of weirds me out is I remember Crooked Eye and Eminem were talking about rap critics in a sense, or just music critics. And it, these people who aren't rappers and who don't know how to rap, like when they're critiquing Jordan Lucas, it feels like they're not really critiquing like the skill set of Joyner Lucas. They're more so critiquing him as a person. And that that always kind of bothers me, like with music where in hip hop, oh yeah, 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 like yeah, he can rap well, but you know, he kinda of comes across this way and this way on this song mm-hmm. and this song, so I'm gonna to totally X him out and uh, just shit on him in this review. And that's one thing I don't like <laughs> about how critics move in these articles. I, I just don't like to read them, but just how they move in articles is pretty foul. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't get that vibe from him. I always kind of liked him, his personality and his music. But I do agree because I do, you know, sometimes, like, people come off that way. Like, I feel like Russ comes off that way, too, where his music is dope, but he kind of comes off, you know, a little weird sometimes. And that's true because Russ, he's probably one of the most divisive rappers because I did a poll. And I remember it was it was definitely a split. He it's very much fifty fifty situation where people love him or hate him. Or but there's also that small percentage where it's like you like his music, but you don't get why there is this big divisive like this huge divisive split. I'm kind of in the middle where I just I don't see why there is this divisive split because there are so much more. I, I just don't see Russ as that controversial. I just feel like people blow him up as controversial. Right. Right, he seems like the guy that just wants to sit in the studio and make music. He very much seems like that. And, and too, like, I do like his independent skill set, and that's one thing I've always I've always kind of cared about because how many times, like, you recently, you know, Megan Thee Stallion got caught up in this whole entire thing with her label where they wouldn't really let her release her EP, so she had to take them to court. And then you have someone like Russ, like, you know, who gets shitted on even though he is independent. And he talks about it, and he, you know, he somewhat brags about it. But if you think about it, what is what is better to be signed to a label where you let all these other people touch your money, or if you're in, in Russ's case where he has a signed distribution deal where it isn't more, it isn't as much about him working for that company as much as the company working for him. Right. I agree. I agree with you, man. It's rough. I feel bad for Megan, but. At the end of the day, Russ is driving his own truck and he's running his own show. So he might be he might have the right formula to go. So when it comes to finding new sounds, like what what do you like to do to find new sounds? Do you go on YouTube? Um, I've gone on YouTube before. I have Splice. You ever heard of Splice? I ever heard of what? Uh the the app Splice or the website. Oh, I think I have, yeah. Yeah, so, you, you know, you pay a monthly subscription and uh, it just has all the sounds, everything you need, drums, kicks, snares, hi-hats, loops, um, everything you you would need to build the track is on there. So I go on there and I just start listening to different loops or samples or 
whatever inspires me and you know I drag it into the into my doll and just start cooking up but I pretty much always go with melody um, you know samples something of that nature to kind of inspire me and then from there I just build around it what what do you think are some production styles that have come and gone? I, I think that, and this is no no way me trying to diss, but uh, it, it's like, you know how like throughout certain eras, there were certain producers that were hot at the moment, so a lot of the, the music sounded like their shit. For instance, DJ Mustard, it got to the point where almost every every song on the radio was sounding like DJ Mustard, right? Right. It, it, it's weird. It's weird because I think DJ Mustard is so awesome. But for some reason, I think a lot of his beats kind of sound similar. Like, you know, they don't have... They all kind of sound the same to me after a while. But um, I think he definitely created a wave, though. And then it was kind of a simple wave that everybody kind of caught on quickly to it. It seemed like everybody was doing it at one point. And I agree entirely with you because, too... I, th- I do think DJ Mustard, I'm not saying he doesn't strike gold because he does strike gold quite a bit with me. I just think it was, like, interesting to how other producers, like, they were, it's weird how the music industry as a whole, you know, when someone does something interesting, how they, like, they surround themselves around it so fast and then they try to right. suffocate it. I think that's, like, that's the weird thing where maybe, I, I don't blame DJ Mustard entirely, no, in, in, not in any sense. I just think w- when there's, you can I, I don't I feel like it's hard to monetize creativity. I don't know. It's you can, I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying it's hard to monetize it. Right. It's like once you create a wave everybody's in a bite off of it. Yeah, and then in a sense they might make it with something and develop it further. So it's kinda like is it it's weird because in music so much is subjective, so how how do things evolve? You know, it I mean Lil Nas X what he did with the, that old town road song. You know, I mean, yeah, it was partially a, a rap song, but you can't deny that it was also a country song. So they had to put it on the billboard, you know. Right. I mean, unfortunately, it, it took Billy Ray having, I mean, you know, it took Lil Nas trying to having to go get Billy Ray Cyrus to get there. But even then, without that, that's still a country song. And it's a hybrid, whatever, but it, it should be on both sides of the chart. And it was kind of like a pop song, too, because it had, like, you heard it on every radio station, not just country or rap. It, I've heard it on all kinds of stations. It was just like an all-around song. I can't believe the way people gravitated towards that track. It was crazy. It really caught, caught fire. And I think, too, right. I think a lot of that, too, does come from, I, I think we, we as fans, we do appreciate the personalities of artists. You know, anyone from you know, the likes of, we could go back to Tupac, we could go back, you know, to people like 50 Cent. Now we have artists, you know, like The Baby, we have Roddy Rich, and uh, I can't, who who were we just talking about? We're talking about someone else. Hmm. Not sure. Not sure, well, fuck it, but <laughs> I, I think, too, like, like, we like Kevin fans, Gates has an interesting personality, too. Kevin Gates, yeah, exactly, exactly. He's Personality too, helps so much. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, he's out there too, man. He speaks his mind, and he just, too, you know, he flows by his own. 
You never see him with nobody either. He's kind of always dolo and him and his wife and kids. And plus, too, Kevin Gates, he yeah, he is solo, and I think that, that is pretty cool because it is weird. Like, why do you always want an entourage around you? I always find that weird. Like, I wouldn't want all – imagine, like, always having 17 people around you. That's tough. Like, uh, I couldn't do that shit. Like, the entourage way of living, like, it's fucking tough. Yeah. Like, I like friends, but damn. It is a little rough. I, I don't know how how they do it. I'm locked in the room all, all the time by myself just making beats, so I couldn't imagine having 17 people around me while I'm trying to do, do that. Yeah, like, you know, you you kind of have to feel, imagine being an engineer in like a studio where it's like it's a party and you got to engineer some shit. Uh, it might be tough, you know, where it's like you got a party around you, all this temptation, and it's like you got to engineer a song, got to produce it. I couldn't imagine. Yeah, dude. And, you know, I do want to, I, I did want to ask you, like, wh- what is your opinion? I know I've talked about ghostwriters. Uh, and mm-hmm. since you're a producer, this is kind of a new question I want to introduce. What do you think? Do you think ghost producers exist? Like, like for instance, did Dr. Dre really make those beats or is someone else doing it? I think ghost producing has been around for a while. I, I can probably bet a lot of other people contributed to the beat, and then Dr. Dre comes at the end and, and makes sure everything is right. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure he, he produces too, but, you know, when you got Scott Storch, you know, doing the melody, you know Dr. Dre didn't do it, so that's Scott, that's Scott Storch, but Dr. Dre's still the one that, that's putting his, his sauce on it, you know, to make it sound like a Dr. Dre track, so... I just think it's like a collaboration, maybe. You know, Scott Storch does his part, then Dr. Dre comes in and does his part. But then at the end of the day, it says produced by Dr. Dre. So, you know, it's, it's just it's different, though. But, but yeah, I definitely believe ghost producing exists, you know. But is it, is it a collaborative effort, though, between you and someone else? Well, I'm talking about the other end entirely. Like, like I'm talking about, like, straight up, bro. Like, they didn't touch the beat at all. You know what I mean? Like, oh. imagine just not, they didn't oh. touch it, but they get full credit. I, I, I don't know. That's an interesting question. But, like, let's say, let's say, let's say I make a beat, right? And uh, DJ Khaled buys it for me, exclusive, and I sell it to him. Beat. You know, what if he's like, I produced it <laughs> True. and takes it? True. You know, I mean, he, did, he did buy he, it. He did buy it. <laughs> he did buy it, so technically it is his. But he, yes, making it, I guess that would be the the wrong part about it. True. I don't know. But I mean, I'm pretty it, it sure he's probably, area. right, I'm pretty sure he's probably buying beats now and saying it's produced by DJ Khaled. I don't know. Like, well, the, I think the thing that sucks though is, imagine if you're one of those artists and I, like, what if someone's listening to that, you know, beat you did and they they really want to work with you but they think it's talent. Like that's the crazy thing. Like you you might be missing out on possible business. Right. Yep. It's a shady business, man. Yeah. The music industry is so crazy. Yeah. yeah you. The music industry, like the more I read up on it, the more I study it, it's 
I see much more a much better route in the independent area. I know that there isn't as much clout behind it, but in the independent realm, you can do so much and you can build up right. a decent following. You know, you don't need all this other uh, backbone from them. Right. You can do what you want, essentially. You can drop when you want. You have creative control. You have freedom to do anything you want. That's the best way to go, I think. I mean, yeah, because it's like at the end of the day, like, we live in an era where we can, we can make a documentary, put it out. Uh, you can put it out on YouTube. You know, you could, like, for instance, you make, you make your beats, you put them out on YouTube. How great of a pot? How has YouTube changed hip-hop? How has YouTube changed the way that people make music? Because now young kids, like, who are 17 can go on YouTube, like, I want a Playboy Cardi type beat, and they can boom, 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 do that, whatever, cop it real quick, boom. They, and then they got a hit record. How has YouTube changed it? I think they've really I, fucking changed the game. I think YouTube changed it tremendously. It gave people opportunities, platforms to connect that you probably wouldn't know. Like, I would, there's no way I would be able to hear a song that was a hit in New York or on the West Coast in Florida if it wasn't for something like YouTube. It just opened the platform to the world, you know? You have people in other countries that are helping make these songs hits because they're gravitating to it and they're seeing it on their on YouTube on their side. It's it's just amazing what you can do off of YouTube. Essentially you could get the beat, record off of it and then put it back on and then you're a star, man. As long as you get the right beat and you and you have people that like it, you never know. You'd be surprised, man. All kinds of stuff make it on YouTube. Bro, there's a, there's a video with a million views, and it's just a beer can inside of a chicken cooking. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> you never know what people are going to watch, bro. It's crazy. That, that is like really cool because I just I just wanted to acknowledge that fact because it's amazing that you could it's always a song that the artist doesn't think is gonna blow up it's always a song that they, they put out that they always don't think it, they they might not think it's the one or they know it's the one but usually it's always a track that's like yeah I don't like you people like this shit I didn't like it that much right that's the crazy right. thing like that's why like. I would like you remember the Gucci Man and uh, Jeezy, the So Icy? Yeah. Remember, I didn't think that. When I first heard it, I was like, yo, I'm not feeling this song. And that shit blew up. It ended up being a hit. And I was like, are you for real? But you never know. You never know. Even Jeezy said he ain't like the song. And it still blew up. Damn. That's some wild shit. Like it's all—it's almost like yeah, like this force of nature where you kind of have to step back and realize that you created this thing. Like, right. I mean, maybe it makes you like look at like people differently. Like, oh, I, I I work on this music that I think is good. You won't listen, and I make something I think is kind of lackluster, and you all listen. Like, huh? You know, it, it really does like let you know where you know, the listeners are at. But then again, it's so subjective. And artists do have a tendency to be so critical where, you know, if you, like, like for instance, if, like, I'm making, I make beats as well. So it's like, if I'm making a a beat, and let's say we're making a beat together, we're going to be looking at things in a much more detailed manner 
or if if we hear a song, we're going to be listening to that song in a much more mechanical manner than someone who doesn't touch music because they don't right. work on it. So they don't look at it like that. So it's like we kind of have this tendency to be extra critical on our own shit. Yes, I agree. And, and you know what's the craziest part? When you make a beat that you can't stand and then somebody's like, yo, this is fire, this is amazing. What? <laughs> I hate that beat. How, how do you like that? It's trash. But you never know who likes what, and everybody's different. It's crazy, bro. I, I get messages that uh, a guy will say, bro, I, I just li- listen to your music to relax after I, I come home from work to, to de-stress. And I'm like, really? Like, why? You know, like, <laughs> it's just so it's so weird to get those kind of messages. It just throws me off. But you never know, man. You're... You, you 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 know everybody's ear is different. Well, everybody likes is different. Who would it? Who would have thought Takashi Six Nine would have blew up into a big star? Man, yeah, he that like the way he leveraged social media was crazy, and he still is leveraging it. I mean, because he's been able right. to keep all this hype, even being right. in prison. Right. And how good is his his music? <laughs> That's true. Not Ex- that good. Exactly. So everything is, you never know what's gonna tickle people's fancy, man. And and he has a fan base. I, I'm I'm telling you, because he threw a concert down here in Tampa, and motherfuckers was showing up to that concert from Tampa with rainbow hair. Mind you, these people never did that before. Showing up to a concert for him with rainbow hair. He had he had some pool, man. That's crazy. There's so much power, and, and that's the thing. I, with Takashi, it's weird where you know you can get so much power where you're an artist and you use social media, you get all this control to agree. I know people are gonna, you know, maybe look at this like, oh, it's not this being art. I'm I, I'm not saying that Takashi has to change his. but I just think when people are in positions of influence, like there should be an understanding that how I act might directly impact someone who is young and impressionable. And then it, it comes this whole role model thing. I'm not saying that rappers should be role models, but with, with Takashi, him going to, to prison and him even being released, I've actually done a podcast. I've talked about his next move. And I, I specifically I thought, like, is he going to troll? Well, we'll see. And what happened was he apparently he trolled 50 Cent recently. So through all of this, he hasn't learned his lesson, apparently, because even his lawyer said he's going to be quiet, but no, no, he's not keeping quiet. He's going against his lawyer's wishes. So it's, I don't want to see, like I said, I don't want to see anybody dig the wrong grave, but it's weird when you when you see it so often. And in hip-hop, people snitch on themselves so much. Right. It, it It's crazy, man. And the crazy part is, you're right, he didn't seem like his, he learned his lesson, but at the end of the day, you know, he he has like this lucky feather in his hat or something that just gets him. Somehow it works, and he ends up somehow winning in the situation. The fact that he's out right now—that's crazy. So <laughs> I don't know what it is about him, but he got something lucky about him. I do agree. Maybe with you. yeah, he. Rabbit's foot. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's some of that, that rainbow hair or something. But um, 
it's like too. There's been so much that has happened within these past two years. I would say hip hop has been very eventful. I think these past two years, especially because we've had so much. There's been a lot of events that have changed the course of shit. You know, I, well, let's say the last like this Trump era of hip hop. Let's just call it like the Trump era of hip hop, like 2016 mm-hmm. to now, or we'll see. <laughs> but like uh, to now, and um, it, it, I just think that. One thing I've noticed is that it's like we've seen, you know, Kanye go, you know, full uh, pasture. You know, we've seen, um, you know, Eminem actually kind of come back to form in a way. And we've mm-hmm. seen Lil Wayne come back, actually, and, and sound better. So it, it's weird where you're starting to see older artists come back and sound better. And actually, some of them, I'm not saying Kanye sounds worse, but he's definitely... He's definitely taking a different path than where he was, you know, let's say a couple of years ago. Yes, I agree. It definitely changed. Um, I don't know if I'm really feeling the new church Kanye, though. Are you? I, I don't I don't really do fully. I did like some of the songs on the album, mm-hmm. but I wasn't so into it because Kanye West, you know, he, he does, he has talked about Jesus before, and his first album, biggest single, one of the biggest songs ever, Jesus Walks. So I have, I knew he was, you know, religious already to a degree. But I, part of me had a feeling like this, this seemed like a possible cash grab at, at the Christian fan base because he, he's been doing these, uh, you know, I, I, I could be wrong, but he's been doing these, uh, you know, these uh, ceremonies, not ceremonies, but these uh, uh, Sunday services mm-hmm. and it's almost like he wants to kind of go the Joe Olstein route. And I don't know if churches are tax-free, so there's so much fucking money in it. And right. I don't know. It's wild. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that one right there. But I'm happy Lil Wayne and, and Eminem definitely came back with a vengeance. Yeah, they really did. And I was I was really happy for Lil Wayne because Lil Wayne... I think he gets shit on so much. But people forget, when Lil Wayne was at the pinnacle of pinnacles, everyone was on the stick. Everyone was a Lil right. Wayne fan. Everyone loved right. Lil Wayne. And that's what pissed me right. off. It's like, you know what, you guys were on his dick not that long ago. Right. Well, saying. you know, so what have you done for me lately, I guess. But, man, I was so happy when he came back. And Eminem, too, man. He had a, he kind of had to a, had a switch his style up to kind of now. Because he couldn't come back with that same old style he had back in the 2000s, early. Machine Gun Kelly almost, you know, nicked him in the shoulder, and then he realized he had to come with it. Yeah. And what's weird is I feel like, in a way, MGK kind of made himself this sacrificial lamb because after that, Eminem really sounded a lot better. So it's weird how beef kind of ignited his flames again. Right. It is true. Even though Eminem did murder him. Eminem murdered him, though. Oh, yeah, he murdered Machine Gun Kelly. It wasn't even close. It was sad. But I do think Machine Gun Kelly did get... I I didn't hate the Rap Devil song. I actually kind of liked it. Yeah, I didn't hate it either. Yeah, I, I like the sound of it, but then I, I, was, I, I heard it, I just thought, like, okay, 
this is good, but it's not enough to really, like, put down in the name. Like, unless MGK has a few more stash, I don't know if he's going to be. And even then, I just didn't see MGK bringing the kind of, like, wordplay or, or metaphors. Mm-hmm. That he no. No. He killed it with that man button line. <laughs> with the what line? With the man button line. <laughs> the man button line? <laughs> yeah, the man he... button line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and MGK that, doing that, well, yeah, plus MGK doing that also it felt like he, MGK was shooting himself in the foot because if you're, most of the time, if you're an MGK fan, you're also an Eminem fan, so if you're going to make your fans choose between you and Eminem, they're going to pick Eminem. Right. So that was, that was a that. bad move. I, I mean, I think yeah, that was a bad move. It it was a bad move, but at the end of the day, I, mean, I appreciate he he had enough balls to do it because he could not do it and just kept it moving. But he did do it. So in the sport of hip hop, you know, I salute MGK on that one. But he did take the L. I, I do respect that because at the end of the day, that's competition. And like I right. said, I thought Rap Devil was good. I'm not saying it was bad in any way. I think MGK can come hard. You know, I just don't think it was enough to put down one of the best rappers Mm-mm. of all time. That's all. No. And I wanted to ask you, too, since I know you're a big USC fan like me, uh, what do you think about the, the dropout of uh, Habib and Ferguson, and are you excited for uh, Tony fighting Gaethje now? Um, super sad uh, that Khabib and, and, and Tony didn't happen. Um, it's cursed. I swear, the, the, them fighting is cursed. Um, I, I'm not happy that Gaethje's fighting Tony because if Gaethje wins, then that just changes everything. So I, I'm interested to see how it's going to play out. I'm picking Tony to win this fight. I think Tony's going to beat him, but Gaethje has that knockout power that you never know. So it's going to be an interesting fight. And I almost wonder if him cutting weight, you know, how he cut weight recently, and then having to cut weight again for the fight, if that's going to affect him. That's a good point. And and that's the thing. I think that was such a psychological attack on his opponents. But even then, yeah, will it affect his fighting, or is he just such a savage? It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter, right? I, I, it's going to be a good fight either way. It's a good card, up and down. It's a pretty solid card. Well, yeah, I mean, you got Pettis fighting Cerrone, which is good. That's yeah. going to be a slugfest. Um, yep. And then uh, who else? Ngannou is fighting we got Rosenstruck. Ngannou, yes. Oh, my God, I can't wait to see that one. That one's going to be crazy. Dude, who do you think is going to win that one? On. That should be that, dude. That could have been a main event fight. I would have watched that main event. Oh, yeah. I agree. It's a main event heavyweight fight, and it's fucking not even the co-main event. Well, what's the co-main? No, event? I I think it's the prelim. The co-main what? event is, yeah, it's the prelim main event. Um, I think the co-main event is Dominic Cruz and Henry Cejudo. Ooh, that's a good fight. I really want to see. I know, that one. I know. Who do you think is going with that one? Fuck. All right. Well, this is tough because it's hard to gauge Dominic Cruz because he has come back from layoffs and, and uh, losses, and he's looked great. So it's really tough, and the, he suffered his uh, loss against Cody Garbrandt a few years ago. 
and 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 before that he had he was undefeated. So I I don't know, but to to the same token, I think that Henry Cejudo, if Henry comes in and he fights the same way he sees Marlon Marais, I think it's going to be a long night for Dominic. But Dominic, you know, we know he has tough conditioning, and he's going in, he's healthy, his feet are good, he's not injured. I think, like I said, this could be uh, Dominic coming back and saying, hey, I, I am the best guy at the fight ever. So either way, it's going to be a great fight. Right. And my thing, I think that the difference between Dominic and Marlon is Dominic's not going to gas at all. So you can see Cejudo saw he was gassing and kind of was like, oh, man, I'm a – you know, Olympic champion, let me just pull through. Dominic's going to be dancing around him. You know how he moves all five rounds, not even gassing. I think he might tire out Cejudo, especially coming back from a, a, a surgery, you know? So it's going to be interesting. I think Dominic Cruz might pull this one off. Yeah, you know what, you make a great point, too, because that's the thing. If we, we bring Dominic's footwork into the, into the equation, it, we're talking right. about a whole other monster because Cejudo doesn't have the footwork of Dominic, and he doesn't have the the height advantage. So Dominic is coming in with maybe what four inches of height on him, a little bit of reach, and then you have that tricky footwork. So if you and, if if Henry gets into the ground, I don't think Henry has any submissions for him. Let Let's not forget that Dominic Cruz beat Demetrius Johnson. I want to say twice. Let's see. Did he fight him twice? Yeah, they fought. They fought when um, before they even made the weight division for Demetrius Johnson. He was fighting um, the next weight up. Shit. Before, I think I remember that's Demetri- the fight where uh, Dominic suplexed him like five times, right? Yeah, Dominic Cruz was whooping him. So I think Dominic Cruz going to do the same thing to Henry. And and that was Dominic Cruz when he wasn't as skillful as skillful as he is now. Right. It was early in the UFC, I want to say, because I want I don't think they had that 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 flyweight division yet. Okay. When did the flyweight division come into existence? Because the flyweight division is definitely an underrated division. Right. It's it's not that many people. That's why. That height. That weight. That. You know that want to get down that low to to fight like that. There's really not that many dudes. They got some in China, but they're all over there. Yeah, I mean, and and plus a lot of you know, yeah, the, the American fighters they really cut a lot of weight. You know, I think that's a, a huge thing that's encouraged with our fight promotions. You know, the, our fighters cut a lot of fucking weight in the U.S. You know, we're talking about. It's not uncommon, like for uh, like like Kamaru Usman, like like he's supposed to be like 200 pounds, you know, bef- like before he gets in the camp. So these guys walk around like they have to cut 20, 20 like 20, 25 pounds of weight. It's insane. Like it's it's really wild, like how these guys like bring their bodies down just to rehydrate and then fight the next day, and uh, the commission allows it. Because you know, imagine if. You're on the NFL and your whole entire team, like, you guys have to step on a huge scale, the whole team, and you guys got to meet a certain weight. It's like, that would be such bullshit. Like, because then everyone will be passing out the next day. Right. I think there should be more weight, more weight classes. Agreed. 
so many more. Especially there'll be more champions, more title fights. Then then people don't have to cut weight, you know. Like I think a one sixty five would be awesome. You know, Nate Diaz seems to be around somewhere around there. And then one fifty five to one seventy is a big, you know, that's a big difference. And then you could um, also even mix it up even further. We could have a 150, you know, 140. You know, just just mixing it up. Like instead of doing 10 or 15-pound increments, just split it up. You know, just like you said, more champions, more fighters. And because you could, right. could you imagine like, oh, I'm the 155-pound champ. I'm going to go fight the uh, one 150-pound champ and then the 165-pound champ. Just, just. Add it up. Like, let's do it every five pounds. I don't care. Like, this is. Yeah, I agree. And as many shows, as many cards as they put on, why not have more championships? Like, okay. I mean, right? I mean, I think too that one thing. I mean, even I would be open to is uh, like I I want to see more fighters, like. I'm not. I'm not trying to say like oh, every UFC fight should be bare knuckle, but it would be cool to see some bare knuckle MMA like in the UFC against some elite fighters. And I know it sounds. I don't know. I I just think it'd be interesting to see some of the grapplers like if they're allowed to fully use their hands, like if they don't have the gloves. Like, can they get more chokes? Can they get? I would just want to um, see that relationship. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they. I don't know if they want to put that on TV, though. Like, you know, like ESPN and stuff like that, especially being owned by Disney. You know how that they are with that. But I, I agree. I would like to see it. I like it. I, you know, because I, I would watch it jujitsu with the gi, without the gi. So it don't matter to me. I like it all. But yeah, I've. Oh, sorry, go. No, I was saying, have you have you seen the bare knuckle, the bare knuckle fighting? Yeah, yeah, I saw um, a couple of Art of Lobos fights. <laughs> yeah, and and that the, those things are pretty bloody, man. You know, I used to actually. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I used to be a big proponent for bare knuckle, but after seeing how bloody it gets and the scars and shit, I, I kind of um, became a little bit less of a fan of the idea. You know, but, I mean, bare-knuckle boxing, it does have its old, you know, traditional roots, so I do respect it, and I do think it's quite realistic, you know, and I, I think that people should realize that if you get into a street fight and you're throwing bare-knuckles, you're going to get cut up, and I think that that allows people to see the dangers of, you know, street fighting, just getting cut up, anything could happen, coronavirus, I don't know, but... Um, <laughs> what do you what think do about that? What I about the UFC, too, is, like, you really get to see... Like in so many levels, like like the best martial artists, I, I, like Marlon Marais, um, I, like that first round of the Cejudo fight, like he really looked good, and then the second round right. it was a different guy. Yep, that cardio, man, it's a different animal. Even if even when you train for it, once you're in there, it's so different. Yeah, your heart's pumping, beating super fast. You have all that adrenaline, you know. You're fighting yeah. for a championship belt. It's crazy. What do you think of the Fight Island? Oh, the Fight who? The Fight Island, the one that Dana White is starting. You know what? I'm I'm actually for this idea. I really am. I like the idea of a Fight Island. 
because uh, I think if you ask any UFC fan or any MMA fan, you kind of dream about like this this kind of scenario where, all right, let's just take the fighters, like like the fighters, like fuck the crowd, the fighters. Let's take the fighters to this island and let's do this shit Mortal Kombat style. And I kind of like that. And then get out Dana White to sit on a throne and wear a crown and watch the maid and hold the belt. Like I don't know, like. That's how, that sounds pretty dope. Or what do you think about them doing tough on the fight island? I think that would be cool. Ultimate fight. If they brought back the Ultimate Fighter, I would watch it. If they on the fight on island. Because they could right? make it more interesting. That'd be kind of dope. I think that would be the dopest thing ever right there. I'd watch that. Man, and plus... Yeah, and plus, it would be a good time like, to do it because they can get Jorge Masvidal and Kamaru Usman to do their, uh, you know, they can pitch because they're going to be oh, straight. Yeah. So, boom, that's, that's, right. a, that, that's a good matchup, too. Yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, what do you think of that, that matchup, Masvidal and uh, Usman? Uh, Masvidal and Usman? Uh-huh. Well... I think honestly, if if Usman and Russell fucks him, it's a wrap. But sure. if if Usman fights Masvidal like he fought Kobe, I think Masvidal's gonna KO. His hands are way better than than Usman. But I think Usman, if Usman wrestles him and takes him down and keeps down, kind of like what he did with Woodley, then I I think Mas, I think Usman will win. But if he stands and trades with Masvidal like Kobe, no, nah, Masvidal's gonna KO. And, well, and that's the thing too, like because here's where everything gets thrown up in the air. Ben Askren, Ben Askren is one of was one of the best wrestlers. He's still one of the best wrestlers in MMA ever. And Jorge was shutting out with that knee. And I know that's kind of people are thinking that's lightning in a bottle. But it's like who knows what Jorge Masvidal is capable of. So it's kind of a weird thing for me where. Because the thing is, I, I was when, when he was going to fight Ben Askren, I, I completely uh, assumed Ben was going to fuck up Jorge. You know, just based off their record. And that wasn't good. And then Jorge just was in the zone, and he fucked him up that night. And, you know, people, I, I mean, I slept on it. And, um, you know, with Jorge coming to, to fight Usman, I do think that Usman is younger. He's way younger than Askren. He's athletic. You know, there are these factors, you know, uh, Askren had injuries, he has a bad hit, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, like, like you did make a good point. If Cabo can get his hands on Jorge and put him on his back, it's going to be a long night. And then I think, you know, Kamaru could grind out a decision. I don't think he's going to knock out Jorge. I don't think he could even submit Jorge. I think that Jorge, yeah. Jorge is sufficient to see the chances too good. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that would be an interesting fight. It, it definitely would be. It, 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 but you know what? If Jorge's jiu-jitsu game is nasty, who knows? Because we've never seen it. I know he trains it, but we've never seen it. He could pull out a tub. You never know. That'd be interesting, too. And Yeah, because the, the thing is, like, he actually, like, he only has two submissions on his record, I think. I think one of them is a Darce, and he might have gotten an armbar or a triangle. I can't remember what it was, but... Um, I, I saw actually it's funny. I saw a highlight, and he got a, a highlight reel, and he got Darce, and everyone was surprised that he could get a Darce. But you know that would be crazy if if Jorge was able to submit Kamaru, 
I would that would be the biggest upset ever because that would just put him at a level of a, a level above certain fighters because that's a different way to mix it up. Not everyone can mix it up like Jorge. And the crazy part, all his losses have been decision losses. They could have gone either way. Yeah. I actually thought he beat Paul Daly. I saw uh, the fight with him and Paul Daly. I thought he beat Paul Daly. Yeah, me too. There's a lot of fights I thought he won. I thought he beat Gilbert Melendez and Strikeforce. Um, who else? Uh, Aliquinta, he almost beat. Actually, I thought he beat Aliquinta, but they gave it to Aliquinta. It's a weird thing. It really is weird. Yeah, And then the most recent, you have the biggest robbery ever, which is Dominic Reyes and John Jones. I thought Reyes got robbed. Oh, hell yeah. Reyes got robbed. He, he, he won 3-2. That's it. Straight up. Three rounds of two. He won the first three. Jones won the last two. That was it. It was straight down the middle. I don't know how the judges missed that. I really don't. That was crazy. Insane. And the, I don't know what they were like, The sad part about it was like, you could even argue that Thiago beat John Jones the last time. Uh, Tiago Santos? Yep. Oh, I don't know. You think he beat John Jones? I think John I Jones mean, won that one. I, I, yeah, don't, the, he, I don't think he beat him, but, but people have made the argument. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that one. I think John Jones beat him. But I think if his legs didn't give out and, and he didn't tear his knees up in the first round, it would have been a different fight. But him fighting injured the whole fight... John Jones, you know, pretty much won that. But I think if if his leg would have held up, it would have been a different fight. Yeah, and and that's a testament to how tough Tiago Santos is to ever fight. Oh my God, he's yeah. he's an animal. He tore them both legs. How do you tear both? I don't fucking know. I don't know. Like, did he step funny? Like, did he trip and then tear every ligament, both the legs? I don't, I don't know what he did. That's not, I can't believe. I can't believe it. Like you get to your title fight, man, and, and both your legs just give up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would. I mean, if he ever heals up, I'd like to see that fight again. But most likely, the belt might get swapped around. You know, if we get a good. I mean, I think that Jones could lose uh, within the next couple of years. I mean, I'm not praying for it, but. I mean, recently he was doing the police and shit. And, uh, I don't know, like, I like John Jones, but, like, there is, like, this, this factor where you see him get caught up in this bullshit so often. It's like, man, like, you got to, it's, it's like you're doing good. Why, like, why jinx yourself now? I know, he's his worst enemy. Dude, no, thank you, like. <laughs> he beats himself. Someone else isn't going to beat him. He's going to beat himself. I I think my biggest, my biggest, like, the thing that hurts me the most was watching Anderson Silva go down because I felt like he was the GOAT. And then when he broke his leg, it's like, oh, man. Because I feel like he should have beat Chris Weidman, but he toyed with him that first one. Yeah, no, he was. he didn't respect him enough. He Nope, not in that first match. He didn't take him serious. At all. At all. And he should have. 
because I think when he when he when he lost to Weidman, that gave him his confidence. Yeah. Then he came back, broke his leg, and it was over. Broke his leg. Yep, that was crazy. And then he came back, and it's sad where it's like you have these legendary fighters like BJ Penn and Anderson Silva, and they fought way past the prime when they should have been fighting. I I think they should just like make the people that are around the same age fight. You know how they have like the weight division? They should have an age division too. Where they're not gonna put they're not gonna put you against the young bucks. They're gonna keep you with the you know, the guys around your age. I mean I think that would be fair, you know, like the have like a what is it? You know, at the ma- like the Masters division, you know, at a uh-huh. jiu-jitsu tournament. A, le- a legend belt. <laughs> a legend belt or something. Kind of like what Bellator does. You know, Bellator, they don't give Fader the young gun. They give them the old guys like him. Good. I don't want to see Fader fight Francis and God. Hell no. But I'd like to see Fader fight Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez or, 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 you know, Josh Barnett, someone in his, like, age range. True. I mean, I mean, it's crazy. Steve A is still, how old is he? He's around that age range, and he's still at the top of the mound. Who? Like, uh, Steve Miocic. Steve hmm. He's a heavyweight champ. Uh, he recently beat, Dan, he beat Daniel yeah, Cormier. Yeah. Yeah, I know who he is. I just I don't know what his age is. Hold on, I'm about to look it up now. He's 37, so he's kind of up there in age too. He's not better up there, but he's up there. How old is Fedor? 48. Ooh, let's see. I think too that the saddest I know fight I've I've seen was the the, the third fight between Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. The most recent one I thought Chuck Liddell going in there to fight it, it broke my heart, and it was also under Oscar De La Hoya's in May promotion. It was just crazy. I I don't know like Chuck Liddell is a legend in the sport. To see him get I don't know to get knocked out at that age just really it, it was insane. I just thought that fight should not have been allowed to happen. Yeah, I, I couldn't even believe it. I felt so bad. You know, you know, you it's over when Tito Ortiz knocks you out after you knock him out twice. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. like there, there was no reason for the fight to happen again. Chuck already beat him twice. No. Like, you beat him twice, Chuck. You don't need to fight him again. Like, you don't have anything to prove. You beat him twice. Right. You're good. You're older, like live your life, like right out of your gold years. Like don't don't take any more damage. But what can you do? Fighters are uh, fighters. Their egos are their own worst enemy because they they don't want to give up. It's that unkillable will, that mental toughness that got them to the, that got them to the dance. But now uh, they need to get out of it, and that's the issue. But you know what's crazy is that they 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 retire and they feel like they have nothing to do. But they actually do because the judging sucks. Refereeing isn't that good. You know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff they could do. They could coach. 
I would love to see more fighters become more become judges and referees. True. I mean, yeah, yeah, especially judges because my God, who the fuck judges some of these fights? Like, uh, I'm telling you, I, I think judging that that would be a good area for some of these fighters. I think they should become judges because. You know, they're scattered throughout the United States. There's commissions in all, all over the country. Why not? Why not make it better? True. I mean, I think Boss Rutten would be a good judge. I would, If I could hire anyone as a judge, I'd hire Boss Rutten. Yeah, I like him. He's funny. He's a true OG. <laughs> Dude, yeah, he found Pancreas and when they, were, when they would dress up like superheroes and shit and like... Speedos and super boots and kick the fuck out of each other. Yeah, he he's an OG. Yeah, no, no thank God for Boss Rowan. And uh, yeah, no, that's the thing. It's like I, it's very like rare. Like it's not rare, but I, it's crazy how MMA has become so much more popular. And because uh, cause when I was young, I did watch UFC a little bit, and it, when it was on Spike TV, shit like that, and to see how much it's grown. And how it went from being a cult following to this big major sport—it's really crazy. It is crazy, dude. I've been watching since one. Well, man, USC one, dude. The Royce Gracie era. Yes, Royce Tank Abbott, Royce Gracie. Oh my God, it was crazy. They used to punch in the nuts. It was nuts. They had a dude. They had a dude who fought with a boxing one boxing glove on his hand. I think I've ever that seen one. it. You have to look was, it up. It was hilarious. I think I've seen that one. Yeah, he has one glove, and then Hoist takes him down. Yeah, man, it, it was it was great. And I still think bare knuckles fighting is worse than that. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Yeah, I mean, like that's the thing though. The UFC though, like. UFC 1, they're pretty much... What I did like, though, about UFC 1 was... Um, I think Pride might have done this, or Pancreas, but they would say, you just have one long-ass round. I, I like that, oh. because... Yeah, I, I, I mean, made an interesting point, because he said, like, let's say round one ends and someone is on somebody's back. And he said, well, at round two, they should they should go back to the position that they were in. So if like like somebody has someone's back, let them you know go back to where they were, and then they have to defend and get out of it. I don't know because it it just feels like if it was one long round, it would really give the grappler a chance to work for a submission because it takes time. You know, I, I don't know, but like I think it would just change the way people fight. I I like that idea actually, and I kind of agree with it. But just imagine if they would have let John Jones and Dominic Reyes fight until, like, yeah, John Jones was one. Clearly. True. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That like if they took out judging and just fought no time limit until the one person couldn't compete no more, John Jones would have beat Dominic Reyes all day. But true. Since it's a five round, you know, five minute five round fight and he won three to two, then, yeah, Dominic Gray should have won. But I think if it would go no time limit, like, until someone couldn't compete no more, I definitely think John Jones would have won. I mean, I mean, it depends because, like, like, it doesn't have to be no time limit, but what if he did something like you have one 20-minute round? 
and like that's the whole fight. You have a 20 minute round, and then at the end of it, they'll they'll gather the points or do whatever, and whoever's dominated will win. So they could still use the point system, but what if they just made the round like super long? So, but if it was one 20 minute round, what do you do if it's a tie? True, that's a good point. Then go into overtime, baby. You know, <laughs> <laughs> go into overtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, go into overtime. Be, let's give them, yeah. give them a ten, give them a, a five minute round. Let's go to war. That that'd be crazy. I'd watch it though. I'd yeah. even like to watch tag team fighting. Could you imagine like Nick and Nate versus some two other people? Oh man, that'd be kind of Nick crazy. And, uh, Nick and Nate versus a. Uh, I mean, that'd be a great one because, like, Nick and Nate, they're just the best characters in, in the UFC. I think they're my favorite characters in MMA of all time because you have the fact they're brothers, they smoke weed, they're from Stockton. Like, they're just so unique. You can't make another Diaz brothers. Like, they're, they're too unique. They're like hood vegan stoners. They cover so many demographics, bro. Like right. they get like all like the vegans of the USC, they get the, the, the hood motherfuckers and the weed head. Like they have such a big base. I'm telling you, that's why they're stars. They really are stars. That it's it's surprising the USC doesn't see it. To me, like Nick and Nate are are way like individually are, are bigger stars than Conor McGregor because Conor McGregor is a star, but I don't think. Like with Nate, I think people have this certain comfortability with the the Diaz brothers because they're so uh, I'm almost you know like humble. Like they're they're very humble, and on top of that, you know, um, I I just think they don't really get into a lot of bullshit outside of a uh, the fight the cage. You know, you don't really hear. Yeah. I mean, even though they're perceived as cholos and this and that, you don't you don't really perceive, you don't hear about Nate doing terrible shit outside of the octagon right. like Connor or John Jones. Right. It's crazy. Connor just made the the long beard motherfuckers feel like they were cool. That's all he did. Oh yeah, yeah. All the Irish people and shit, like yeah. you know, beard gang. All the yeah. Yeah. That's all he did. But but I I give it to Connor. Don't get me wrong. I I respect what Connor did in the cage. But outside the cage, he's tripping. Oh yeah. I I, I do think that Connor his timing is unquestionable. He he is unmatched in like a lot in a lot of ways when it comes to his striking. I, again, it's just his background, what he was doing, like him throwing the dolly. I, I think he did lose himself, but you know when he came back and fought Cerrone, you did see a a, a a reemergence of who he was in the hungry Connor, and I think that's the Connor that can really go on a tear. And um, personally. I would have waited on doing, I would have postponed Tony and Habib, and I would have saved that fight for later, and I just would have put Connor versus Gaethje. But as Connor versus Gaethje on paper, I would I would sell that fight more so, because Tony and Gaethje, that's good, but I would much rather see Connor and Gaethje, because Gaethje was going at Connor. Like, there's already a narrative established that, that Gaethje doesn't like Connor, and he's already talked shit. They've tweeted back and forth, like, let's, let's let them fight. I think Connor beats Gaethje. Me too. I seriously do. I think Connor knocks him the fuck out, and because that man is easily hit. You know what I mean? Like Gaethje kind of stands there. Connor is is moving. You know what I mean? Like when he got caught by Khabib, it's because he wasn't expecting that shit. He's gonna train for Gaethje to be throwing that power, and he's not gonna be there when Gaethje throws it. 
and he's going to counter and knock his ass out. I think he beats Gaethje 100% of the time. Tony, uh, I don't know about that one. And I, I honestly think he could beat Khabib too. I really do. I really do. I think a rematch against Khabib will be different than the first one, just like it was with the Diaz fight. I agree because didn't Connor win one of those rounds? Yes, and and if if and Connor's takedown defense was really good up there in the beginning, so he works on that and gets more offensive instead of defensive like he was. I think it'd be a different fight if Connor fights his fight and dictates the pace, not let Khabib get comfortable and dictate his style. That's the thing. If Khabib is reaching and trying to reach for that takedown and keep and he's missing, he's gonna gas. He's gonna get tired. So I think a rematch would definitely be different. And and two, to, to credit to to Connor's credit in that fight, his cardio looked ten times better because he didn't show any fatigue like he did. And mm-hmm. I know he came down to a lighter weight class. He doesn't didn't have as much weight on him. But in the fights with Nate, maybe you could attribute it to him having so much more muscle. He was he gassed out so much faster. But against Habib, mm-hmm. someone who grappled him, he was able to keep up a solid pace. Right. I, I definitely and I don't think Khabib could take a solid punch from Connor. Like you know what I mean? Like when Khabib dropped Connor and surprised him, Connor kinda ate it and shook it off and kept going. I think if Connor catches him clean, it's not gonna be the same. And he he just missed the knee to Khabib. I think that knee would have took out Khabib. I really do. Right before he ended the fight, he 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 threw a knee into the cage, and it and Khabib went backwards, and he just missed it, man. If he would have caught him with that knee, I think it would have been over for Khabib right there. I mean, that would be legendary, you know, and it goes to show. Yeah, like, that would have been sick. It's like, you cannot, it's, MMA matchmakers, like, or matchmakers and fighting in general, it's, it's such a numbers game, but it's like splitting hairs. You don't really know for sure who's going to fight because, you know, you can slip on a banana peel and dislocate your shoulder. There are so many things that right. can happen in that cage um, that could end the fight. I remember when, uh, what was it, Yair Rodriguez was going to fight Jeremy Stevens. And they go off the cage, and then within 10 seconds, the fight's over because of an eye poke. Yep, you never know. The sport is crazy. That's why it's so amazing. You never know. You can't predict it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like gambling on MMA is such a tough thing. Oh, yeah. It's rough. It is. And uh, so, so I want to ask you, too, like, being out in Florida or uh, – because oh, I've talked to some people in New York, I haven't had the chance to ask. Uh, are, are there any spots that you would want that you would recommend me to check out in Tampa if I were going to go there? Oh, you going to come here? Yeah, if, if I were to, I always ask my guests, you know, because if they're based out of somewhere, I uh, always like to ask if there's a good spot they like to eat. Um. Uh, Frenchies is a real popular spot on the beach in Clearwater Beach. It's, like, right on the water, and they have, like, good alcohol beverages and uh, good food. That's a real good place to eat when you're in Tampa. And it's, like, a place that's been here forever. All the local people eat there. I'd have to check that out. Yep, Frenchies in clear water. 
Frankie's in Clearwater. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to also take a minute to ask you, um, do you have any uh, tips for producers on the come up? Any advice you could give them? Oh, man. Yeah, man, just network with other people. Work with other people because you can get uh, as good as you want, but if nobody's hearing your music or putting it out there, then you're just a good producer in the house, you know what I mean, or in your home studio. So just work with other people, network, you know, uh, learn as much as you can, and then, you know, just keep grinding. Keep grinding. YouTube YouTube is your friend. You can look up anything on YouTube, and they will, the answer is right on there for you. And that's pretty much what I do. I, I I figure it out, watch it on YouTube, and teach it to myself. Fuck yeah. Well, fuck yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on the show, dude. Thank you for um, no. breaking Anytime. breaking down your process with me and talking about <laughs> it. I really Anytime. appreciate that. Thank you for and, having uh, me. Fuck yeah, dude. No, we, we definitely have to do this again. Next time I'll have to bring out... I'm, I'm going to be getting a webcam very soon. I'm waiting on that stimulus check getting some new gear, um, including right. audio gear, thank God. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to be putting away the phone interviews. It might be my last phone interview, believe it or not. So, <laughs> you know, there I might end this chapter and then, you know, I'm, I'm going to upgrade. Sounds good, man. I, I, I would love to do another one, especially another MMA one. I could talk MMA all day. Dude, me too. Shit, I might have to start <laughs> an MMA. We might have to start an MMA podcast, Tito. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I used to have one, but, you know, kind of fizzled out. Oh, really? Well, hell, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. Well, we, might, we might need to talk after this and figure something out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, well, Tito, I appreciate you. And uh, tell Anytime. the people where they can find you on social media before you leave. Oh, man, you can look me up on YouTube, Tito Beats. Uh, I come right up. You can look me up on my Instagram, Tito Beats uh, Productions. And uh, I'm also on Twitter at uh, six Tito Beats nine. Awesome, hell yeah! So thank you so much, man, for coming on the Anytime. show. Um, thank I, you. I can't wait. I can't wait to unveil. No, no, thank you, man. I can't wait to unveil um, the music that uh, that you sent me. At some point, I, I'm, I'm actually saving it for an album uh, that's going to be coming out the top of next year. So uh, I think when Perfect. people hear it, it's going to connect. And uh, awesome. and uh, I plan on working with you some more this year, putting out more content. So um, everyone, I, I just want to say thank you for coming on, and I'm, I'm gonna make sure everyone goes checks out your page and checks out your music. And uh, just thank keep, you, thank keep, you. Like I want them to keep your content, man. You got a lot of good shit. I appreciate you, bro. Anytime you want to have me on, I am willing to be on. Awesome, bro. Well, hell yeah. Thank you so much, and have a great day. Anytime. You too. Later. Bye bye.